Hello, this is Dan Bender, executive producer of the Singles Podcasting Network. Today, I'm excited to present Single Living, a podcast that brings you straight talk on everything that concerns today's singles, including relationships, dating, travel, and financial security. Single Living is hosted by Rich Goss, a well-respected expert in the singles industry. He is the author of eight books on dating and has lectured on the subject in over 50 colleges and universities. Rich is frequently interviewed by the news media, including Oprah, CNN, Fox News, and the Wall Street Journal, to name just a few. And now, here's the host of Single Living, Rich Goss. My guest today is Lisa Altalita, who is a dating specialist. She's the author of two books, Dating Boot Camp and The Pocket Idiot's Guide to Getting Girls. She has been featured by the Chicago Tribune and Sun-Times, USA Today, the Toronto Sun, and numerous other TV, radio, and print media. Welcome, Lisa. Well, hello, Rich. How are you? So far, so good. Beautiful day to do a podcast interview. Great. Why did you write that the dating scene can be a war zone? Well, as you know, Rich, it can be pretty tough out there. And if you've noticed, um, our society is moving more towards um, a single type of environment where even our long-term marriages are falling apart. Yes. The baby boomers are starting to date a lot more. Right. And all of a sudden, you know, people are starting to realize, you know, I've been focused on my career, and now I don't know what to do. Yes. So when they get back into the dating world, if they've been divorced, if they haven't been on the scene for a while, it can be really tough out there to get started again. Yeah, it's interesting how these people devote decades to making money a establishing themselves in their career and then they wake up one day and they're 40 or 50 and they don't have any love or excitement or romance. Yeah, it is pretty tough and I think that sometimes it's just an unconscious thing that people are just so focused and one other thing that I point out is that, you know, women especially take so much control over their careers, over buying homes and make time to look for jobs when they have a job, but we really don't make time for looking for love. Yeah, it's a bad set of priorities. It always seems like looking for love is last on the on the hierarchy there, that people just uh, expect love to magically appear in their lives. That's true. And things have changed so much where at one time, maybe um, I'm from the South, and maybe um, my auntie could actually introduce me to some nice boy that goes to the church that her friend goes to. Right. And nowadays, we've moved away from those external family units that we have. And, you know, how do we meet people? Where do we go? And we usually take great references from other people. And a lot of times, people don't know single people once they're married. Exactly. A lot of people have been married for 10, 20 years. They're suddenly single again all of their friends are married couples and now they're the you know the fifth wheel they don't fit in well they find that they just don't have a lot of single friends out there and they don't know where to meet single people because their whole lives have been wrapped around marriage and of course that's a totally different circle the married circle from the single circle that is true that is true and i think that's one thing singles need to acknowledge is that if they really want to not be single one thought before was okay well i'm going to hang around people that are married that's really a contradiction. You need to hang around people that are looking for what you're looking for. <laughs> well, exactly. You hang around like-minded people, and if you're single, hang around singles, and hopefully the friends that you hang around are people that get outdoors and, and meet people and go to parties and social events, because if all of your friends are real shy people that they're just basically stay at home and, and sit on the couch and eat bonbons, you're never going to meet anybody hanging around those friends. That is really true, and interestingly enough, I do a survey usually when I speak to a group of women and 
um, what is the number one thing that they do wrong? And the first question I ask is, what did you do Friday night? <laughs> nine times out of ten, you yes. know what the answer is. Of I course. was at home. Right. I was at home. It doesn't matter if she's shy. It doesn't matter if she's an outgoing person. Yeah. Our lives are just busy. And the same thing with exactly. guys. Guys will get out there eventually, right. but they still have to have a level of confidence to approach a woman. And believe me, women want to be approached, yes. but I'm also encouraging women to approach men so people are talking. Excellent. Well, you know, I like to point out that 50% of Americans are basically shy, according to Dr. Philip Zimbardo at Stanford University at the Shyness Institute. He's the world's foremost authority on shyness, and he says half of Americans are basically shy in social situations. I presume that applies equally to men as well as women, so if half the guys out there are shy, they're never going to walk up to you and ask you to dance. I mean, if you want to meet these shy guys, which is 50% of the population, you're going to have to make the first move. Exactly. And what's interesting is um, there are some other surveys that show that a man would be willing to let a good woman pass him by because he's scared to speak to her or afraid of what she, she's going to shoot him down versus a woman being assertive enough to just at least break the ice. So I like singles to focus on just breaking the ice, just saying hello, just, you know, speaking about whatever event you're at together. Just, you know, put something out there. Right, right. Well, you know, of course, there's some bad dating advice out there, as you know. Some of the books out there, like the rules that came out 10 years ago that said that women should never approach a man, and if a man yes. really was attracted to you, you'd know it because he'd come up and start talking and ask you to dance. And, it, of course, it's a complete myth because the fact of the matter is that most guys out there will never approach you, especially if they're extremely attracted to you. The more attracted you are, they are to you, the more intimidated they are, and the less likely they are to approach you. In fact, I even tell women, you know, if a guy approaches you, it may not even be a compliment because, you know, these guys won't approach really beautiful women. So if they approach you, it could even be an insult. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anything, I'm hoping that if the guy is approaching, he's just an assertive guy. But yes. I think for the most part, you're raising a really good point that we have to get away from these rules and restrictions and, you know, things that we know. And that's one thing that I focus on in dating boot camp is that's why it's a boot camp. You have to break down your preconceived notions and build yourself back up with new beliefs. Women that are single have to believe that there are really great guys out there. And I know that there are. And, you know, with writing my other book, I've interviewed a lot of men and women are shocked when I tell them the truth. Men, these great men are saying that they can't find really great women. So I think that they're just not in the right venues and they're not talking. So we have to change those beliefs. Well, you know, I always uh, hear these women whining and complaining that there's no good men out there. All the good men are taken. And, of course, uh, the women that complain the most are the single women of San Francisco. You know, they claim that all the men in San Francisco are either married, gay, or dead. And, uh, and they always say that there's, there's seven women for every single man in San Francisco. There are all these nutty, crazy statistics out there. And, you know, I even have guys who call me up from San Francisco. They say, Rich, I hear there's seven women for every man in San Francisco. I want to know where are my seven women <laughs> because they can't find them. And that's in San Francisco <laughs> where it's supposed to be so easy to meet women, and these single guys can't meet any good women. So, you know, the women are always complaining, you know, it's, it would be better to be a guy because guys have it made in the, in the dating world, and it's just not true. Guys have it very, very tough in the dating world. It's not true, and I think that one big um, misnomer is people have to take accountability for what's going on, and one thing that I have on um, people that I work with 
focus on is what happened in the past. Line up your past relationships and look at each of the pers- each person that you were with and their characteristics and attributes because there's some common common denominator here. It's you. So you're picking these people, whether this guy was the greatest guy in the world, whether he was the biggest jerk in the world, and we have to acknowledge that so we can deal with what those issues are so then we can start anew. And I think that's one thing that holds a lot of singles back. Well, also, a lot of times people are attracted to a certain type. You know, like some yes. women tell me they're always attracted to guys that are going to abuse them or cheat on them or drink too much or on drugs or guys that are sponges and don't want to work. You know, a lot of times we have a tendency to be attracted to a certain type that isn't good for us. So right. probably the first step in, in moving on to a better dating relationships is to find out what mistakes have you made in the past? What is the wrong kind of person that you t- attracted to over and over again? Exactly. And, you know, um, my book was bred out of this experience of my own. (laughs) I um, consistently went after the wrong type for me. And one thing that I help women focus on is look at what those attributes are, but also look at what your goals are. So we're always attracted to the bad boy, and you can't beat us up too much, Rich. It's positioned in the media (laughs) that way. All the movies, the sexy guy is the bad boy. Now, why is that? Why are the women always attracted to the bad boys? You know, I know so many nice guys that say, you know, I had a, a lady, I'd give her the sky and the moon and the planets, why aren't women attracted to us shy guys? Why do they always go for the macho bad boy types? Well, like I said, it's positioned in the movies that way ever, ever since um, yes. Greece and um, all of the yeah. types of movies. We go after the bad boy, but equally the same. Men go after who? They're not going out with the next girl next door. Right. Who are they going out right. with? The video vixens. <laughs> so I think, again, there's a lot of images out there that we have to get past and really focus on what goals we have, what are the things that attract us to people, and how do those goals and attraction levels meet up? And again, to get away from, you know, this bad boy image. And just as an example with myself, I always was going after the bleeding heart poet who was an artist or a musician. And that's great. But guess what? A lot of them are unemployed. Exactly. I I was going to say that. You were going after the starving artist and you were starving with them. Right. Exactly. But then when I changed my focus and thought, okay, I want to have a a stable relationship. I want someone that can take me out and do nice things with me. Then I ended up meeting someone who was in that industry, but was stable and financially um, had financial gains. So it was a shift in focus and we have to do that to get what we want. Sure. You know, in your book, uh, the uh, the boot camp book, Dating Boot mm-hmm. Camp, uh, I yeah. like the analogy you make. Uh, of course, you know, everybody has seen the movies where they go to the Marines, they go into boot camp, and they basically rip you apart, and then they build you back up in the image of the Marines. And, and your book is saying the same thing has to happen for girls to be successful in dating. What kinds of things do you have to destroy and then rebuild in order to help your clients become yeah. successful in the dating game? One thing that we talked about earlier is just those preconceived notions that are out there. There are a lot of dating messages that are out there, and and we're touched by them every day. For instance, um, the book, The Rules, telling a woman that she has to wait three days for a phone call (laughs) from a guy is just not realistic in our society. Our society moves so quickly where people live in the suburbs, they work in the cities, we commute, we... um, are becoming, you know, very singleistic where we have our iPods and we have mm-hmm. our Blackberries and we don't talk to one another. So one of the things that we have to do is get away from these hard conceived notions that preconceived notions mm-hmm. that I can't approach a man. Right. Um, I have to wait for him to call me. If he gets my number and he doesn't call me, then I'm a loser. Yeah. Images of men in the cities that have seven women to each man. He doesn't want me. And women need to get really past a lot of their body image issues. 
you know, we're plagued with, you know, you need to be thinner, you need to be prettier, you need to have longer hair. Right. And we need to really get back to celebrating ourselves and whatever attribute that we have, you know, highlight it that, you know, it's our favorite attribute. As I always say, there's a lid for every pot. There's a man out there for you and you have to believe that. Well, you know, the, the women always talk about the scarcity of men, and then I give them the statistic that there are 41 single men in the United States, and then I ask them, well, how many guys do you need? And, of course, they all say, well, I just need one. And I say, well, you got 41 million to choose from. I mean, surely there's got to be one out there that would be appropriate for you. Right. But, again, I think it goes back to letting go of the past, and it's another phrase that I have in the book where I say, you know, you need to leave the baggage at home so you can go on your new dating journey. And a lot of times we bring, not only we're picking the wrong people, we're bringing the past baggage with us. So if you're dating a nice guy now, you know, if you're fearful of, you know, the past again, well, maybe he's going to leave me like the other guy did, or maybe he's not going to do this, or you're just waiting for him to make a mistake. The poor guy doesn't have a chance. He doesn't, you know? You know, those first dates, those first dates are like a final examination. I mean, they just, uh, they're ready to pounce on you, ready to dump you. It's just a shame that people can't be a little bit more open, a little bit less judgmental. You know, go out on that first date without uh, those preconceived notions you're talking about and, and just meet a new friend and, and see whether it leads to anything. And if it doesn't lead to, to the bedroom, at least it can lead to a good friendship. You know, Rich, one other thing that um, we're highlighting here is dating seems to be so ominous nowadays. And it doesn't have to be. We have to think about what a date is. A date is a meeting where you're either having fun, you're doing something that you enjoy, and you're just getting to know someone. It's not the, you know, the precursor to marriage. It's just not. And, you know, so I think one thing that um, women need to lighten up about, too, is you know, the more that we date, the better we feel about it. And another tip that I have for them is to date more like men do. Men tend to date where they're meeting one person, and that person seems nice, but they are, like, for instance, they might meet Betty. But then again, later in the week, they might meet Mary too. And then maybe two weeks later, they might meet Susie. But they're not going to make a decision about a relationship based on just initially meeting those three women. They're going to get to know them a little bit, go out and date, and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's what I tell women. We need to create more options for ourselves so we can feel confident and not feel that, oh, no, Bob rejected me. My life is ending. We have to get away from that. Well, exactly. And, of course, I, I read the male columnists. They write about stuff like this, and they mention how, you know, a guy will walk up to a woman at a party and, and say, you know, could I have your phone number? And she'll say, well, no. And he says, why not? And she says, well, I just gave my phone number to this other guy at the party. And these women have it in their brains. They can only give their phone number out to one guy in the world, and that's it, and date this guy for who knows how long, you know, two weeks, two months, two years, whatever. And then they lose all that time after the relationship breaks up because the guy's inappropriate. It'd be so much smarter if the women were like the men and date several guys at a time. Don't put all your eggs in one basket, and then pick the best one rather than, you know, put everything, all this pressure on this one relationship. Keep your options open. It's true, and unfortunately, Rich is a new concept to a lot of women, and we've been taught from day one when our parents read us the fairy tales that we're waiting on who? The prince on his stallion, and it's only one. It's not, it's not like a series of princes on their stallions, and so it is a, it is a bad habit or a bad notion that we have to get rid of, and it's okay. And a lot of times, in fairness to women, men don't like when we do that. 
<laughs> Nine times out of ten, men don't like when they know that they might be in competition well, with course. someone else. Nobody likes competition, right. but that's how you get people right. to shape up. Exactly. I mean, it's just like in the business world. If a company has a monopoly, pretty soon they get fat and lazy. They, they don't have any competition out there, so the standards go down, and they figure, well, people have to buy our product. There's no alternative. The best way to shake people up is to let them know they can be replaced. Exactly. And so, again, women have to get past that fear of, oh, he knows I might be going out with someone else. It is the best thing in the world when a woman's not sitting at home on Friday night and a guy calls and, you know, it's Billy and she wanted Billy's call, but guess what? She's out with Ted. It's okay. Well, of course. (laughs) Nobody likes competition, but that's how you get people to shape up. I mean, it's just like in the business world. If a company has a monopoly, pretty soon they get fat and lazy. They, They don't have any competition out there, so the standards go down and they figure, well, people have to buy our product. There's no alternative the best way to shake people up is to let them know they can be replaced. Excellent point. And it's getting back to the thought of we're creating what we call a single lifestyle where you're not waiting by the phone. You're not waiting for one particular guy. You're living your life. You're having fun. You're doing things you enjoy. And women really need to focus on that more. Sure. How about some advice for guys? What's the counterpart to this advice? Okay. Well, I would say the biggest issue that I find in my coaching with men is building confidence where they are used to, men are used to approaching women and having to be that the person that has to ask for the phone number or has to ask for the dance or has to approach in general. And sometimes it is a little intimidating if it's a woman who, you know, you think you're not in her league, of course you're going to build up all these notions in your head telling you I can't talk to her. First and foremost, beautiful women do like attention. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, of course. Right, exactly. And then there are women you should leave alone. So those two things in themselves kind of help men to realize, you know what, I'm a cool guy. I'm using you know, my best attributes. You know, I have this, this, this going on for myself. And I'm just going to go and say hello. I don't have to have a line. I don't have to, you know, be a certain type of person. I'm just going to, you know, say hi. And then if she's not interested, fine. I'm going to walk away and talk to someone else and really get away from, you know, just not missing that opportunity. Men tend to miss great opportunities because they don't, they don't know, oh, maybe she has a boyfriend or maybe she wouldn't be interested. You never know if you don't ask. Exactly. You know, one of these uh, college students who was going for his doctorate uh, did a dissertation about singles bars, and what he did, he went to different singles bars, and he approached every woman in the bar as an experiment, and he used the exact same opening line with all the women. His opening line was, having a nice time tonight, and he walked up to every woman in the bar. He went to the beautiful women and the not-so-beautiful women, and here's what he found out. He found out that the less attractive women were just as likely to reject you as the beautiful women. He found out that the, he found out the beautiful women were not any more stuck up than than the not so beautiful women. That you know, a certain percentage are going to reject you, no matter what opening line you use. But that there was no correlation between physical attractiveness and the likeliness of being rejected. So all these fools who don't go up to the beautiful women for fear of being rejected, hey, you're just as likely to be rejected by a woman you find unattractive. So why waste your time on the women that you find unattractive? Well, the idea, too, is how about you just go out to meet people? And that's another thing where, you know, there are some men who really want to have relationships and who are ready to have families, etc., and they go out, and then they, they get in this scenario that you just mentioned where they're constantly getting rejected. Another suggestion that I have for men is put yourself in situations that are more advantageous to you. So, for instance, if you're more of a shy guy, go on a date where you're forced to interact. Like, for instance, there's um, singles groups where, um, or singles um, meetings where you can actually go, six men, six women, and you're forced to interact. So Speed dating. Yourself- 
Yeah, it, well, they're speed dating, but specifically I'm talking about Match.com has their, you know, matches, but then they also have single events where people can go and cook for a night or go to the movies for a night, and there's a set number of men and women. And, you know, put yourself in a situation where you're meeting either a more quality type of woman who wants what you want or someone who will be more receptive to you. How are women often victims in dating? <laughs> well, I think from some of the things that we've said, um, definitely we, we die on the sword, as I say, on the battlefield. But um, I think just, you know, again, not creating those options, um, letting our past baggage um, interfere on a first date. I've heard numerous accounts from men where they finally go out with someone that they're interested in, and the woman talks about her ex-boyfriend, talks about how she's been hurt, talks about... Big mistake. Right. You know, all these things are, are horrible mistakes. Talks about what he thinks his intentions are. And I think, unfortunately, that baggage, again, comes with us, and, you know, we can't even have a good time. So how do you know if you even want to date someone if you can't even have a good time with them on the first date? So I think women tend to, um, unfortunately, get caught up there. And, you know, when I speak to women in, in large groups, they get a little frustrated with this point, but then they start thinking about it when I get them to start doing exercises of thinking about their past relationships, think about, you know, what really hurt them, think about the type of person that they went out with that did hurt them. So once that's all dealt with, now let's build up the type of person that you want. Visualize what that person looks like. So then they become more receptive. So when they go on that first date again, they're not dredging up the past. <laughs> right. It's just so amazing how foolish people are on the first date, being negative, like you say, and talking about their ex. And of course, they never say any nice things about their ex. They only say horrible things about their ex. Meantime, the, the guy across the table is saying, gee, if she hates her men so badly, she's not going to be the woman I want to spend the rest of my life with. Exactly. And you know what, Rich, I think in fairness, it's a matter of just not dealing with it, not dealing with the garbage. I think a lot of us, especially when women want relationships so badly, they, you know, it, and I have to tell women this too, men can read it off of us. <laughs> it's on our forehead somewhere, <laughs> an invisible pen. They can read desperation. And that's what this isn't about. It's about, you know, being able to say, okay, that didn't work. Heal yourself and then be able to move on and just be ready for new adventures. And so that's another thing that women tend to do is let that desperation show when, you know, a man loves a confident woman, nine times out of ten. And, you know, when a woman's caught up with her own issues, that's a big red flag. Exactly. And, of course, we all know that women are attracted to men that are self-confident. We were talking about the bad boys that often are more self-confident than the nice guys. How do singles build up their self-confidence since that is such an attractive trait in both men and women? Well, I think this applies to both men and women is dealing with whatever their, their perception of themselves is. So for women, I think we tend to have a lot of um, body image issues, um, attraction level issues where we're always constantly comparing ourselves to other women. And what we need to do is focus on ourselves and, you know, highlight our own attributes. And, you know, if you're not feeling good about what you have to wear, go out and buy something new. Or if you feel that, you know, hey, I'm a little pudgy, go to the gym. And I talk about that where I don't suggest that women need to change who they are, but you need to enhance whatever makes you feel good about yourself. So if or you freshen need, up. Right. You need to lose weight, lose weight. If you, you know, want to do something different to your hair, do it. And similarly for men, I think that, you know, building that confidence is how do I walk into a room and feel like women are going to look at me? You know, here's the bad boy over here. What's going to differentiate me away from that bad boy? What's going to differentiate you is the self-confidence, being real, 
the realness is a big factor where women can smell it off of you if you're bragging about, oh, I work here and I do this and da da da. That's not real. Be who you are and just, you know, try to get to know someone and just say hello and have a conversation. And that's another thing that, you know, I focus with men on is, you know, it's not a soliloquy. It's not, you know, it's not a stand-up night when you go meet someone. It's a conversation. It's like a dance. You say something, the person says something. And learning what that rhythm is and feeling confident and being able to say, hey, if this person's not interested, so what? Somebody else will be. Right, and the secret, of course, if a guy or the woman is a motor mouth, the secret is to ask questions. Yes, definitely. Everybody loves to talk about their favorite subject, which is themselves. And really, all you need to do to have a great conversation with somebody new is just ask them about themselves, and you know, you kind of wind them up; they won't shut up. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, try to find similarities that you have. Maybe, you know, how you met the person. For instance, if you're at an art opening, talk about art. You know, if you're at the gym, you know, talk about the new equipment. I mean, just break the ice and talk about things that the person would be interested in. And then you can, yeah, as you said, you can go and start asking them questions about themselves. And that helps people to open up, definitely. Lisa, why is it so hard for singles nowadays? I think that things have changed so much that women, again, focused on their careers, so everything comes a little bit later. Images that we see in movies and we're stuck on the fairy tales. For men, just thinking that there's this plethora of great women out there and actually they have to look just as hard. And then, too, our society has changed. There are times where you can actually commute all the way into work and only speak to people in your office, get back in your car, and drive all the way back home and not interact with anyone else. I love technology, and I think there are a lot of great dating techniques you can use through technology, but the flip side is it moves us away from great social interaction where we can be out, and that's why I tell singles you have to get out the house. You have to interact with people. That's how you meet other people. Yeah, there's so many people, unfortunately, Lisa, now with the Internet that uh, all their relationships are now virtual relationships. And having phone conversations or face-to-face conversations, everything is done through email, and we're losing that personal touch and we're losing intimacy in our lives. We definitely are, Rich. And another point is as we get older, our networks change. And I talk about this a lot in Dating Boot Camp where all of a sudden you're out of college, then what happened to all your college friends? And then now you're in the workforce and you're in a different environment. If you're not making associations there, you're not meeting new people. And we start losing our friends to marriage and they're having families. And not to say that they're not around, but we don't hang out with them as much. So then, you know, once again, a single is left with no associations, no network, and then starting over and maybe the Internet only. Exactly. Let me ask you this, Lisa. How can people contact you and order your books? You're the author of Dating Boot Camp and also The Pocket Idiot's Guide to Girls. If our listeners want to get a hold of you or your books, what do you recommend? They can contact me through my website. It's called joindatingbootcamp.com. Joindatingbootcamp.com. Yes, they can reach me there. Uh, My books are available on the site, as well as tips for singles and some fun surveys, as well as information about coaching. Excellent. And do you have one last piece of advice for singles? The biggest advice that I have for singles is to not feel that it's, it's the end of the world to be single. It's supposed to be fun, and they need to create what I call a dating lifestyle and enjoy all their dates and just have fun before they tie themselves down to the next person. Excellent. I'd like to thank my guest, Lisa Altalita. Single Living is a production of the Singles Podcasting Network in San Rafael, California. 
If you have any comments or suggestions about single living, feel free to email us at comments at singlespodcastingnetwork.com. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, this is your host, Rich Goss. Rich Goss.